Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 3-0 Take, where we talk all things Major League Baseball. Here's Kyle Corwin and Nate Reyes. It all starts right now. Welcome back to the 3-0 Take. This is episode 167. I'll be your host, Kyle Corwin, and I'm not here with my co-host, Nate Reyes, because Nate is getting some last-minute Christmas shopping done, which, by the way, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Happy New Year's to everyone if you're listening to this recording that late. Uh, You may be catching us while you're traveling or whatever, so welcome all. Glad to be a part of your holiday season. Uh, But as I was saying, no Nate today. And to be honest, we didn't have much of a plan to do too much talking anyway because this is part one of a two-part 2020 Look Back episode where basically we just take you on a journey through the wild and wacky season that this year presented us with. Uh, looking at some of our takes, predictions, and thoughts we had on things as the year progressed. Uh, So basically what I've done is I've gone back to the beginning of the year, uh, you know, back when we thought we were going to actually have a normal baseball season, uh, and started taking down some of our favorite segments from various episodes throughout the year, uh, just as a reminder of everything that happened in baseball. Uh, So get ready to go back in time as we lead you through some of our favorite takes on some storylines, drama, and just straight up weird stories from 2020. I've gone ahead and broken up each segment with a brief description of uh, what we're about to dive into so you can get some context as to what we were talking about at that point in time. Uh, Also, forgive us for any audio issues that you encounter throughout this episode as we've spent a good portion of the year trying to get our audio sounding better for you guys. Uh, So cut us a little slack from those earlier episodes. Uh, Nate has officially stepped up his equipment game I think he just wanted to give himself a little Christmas present. Uh, So hopefully 2021 will be much better, hopefully in more ways than just our audio equipment, let's be honest. Uh, All right, guys. Well, I've said all I've needed to say. Um, Again, appreciate you guys making us a part of your holidays uh, and hope you enjoy. All right, guys. We're going to jump right into episode 115. This was the hashtag fire Manfred episode from February 19th. Uh, January saw um, a lot of the news break about the Astros and their scandal. Uh, So we won't drag you through all that again, but we will take you right into our thoughts surrounding Rob Manfred's ESPN interview with Carl Ravage uh, that he talked with him about the uh, Astro scandal, some new rules, uh, some proposals. So we're going to jump right into it. All right. So first of all, not sure what I think this was ESPN's production, their little their little operation. Yeah, probably. First first take on the whole thing before the, the interview even started. They had the, the I don't know what effect they were putting on the video, but they had everything all like blurry in the background and just weird things out of focus and I'm like, all right, this is already on the <laughs> just terrible start. I don't only you would notice that stuff. I, yeah, I've got. I, I feel like I've got it. an eye for that stuff. But yeah, I was like, "Oh, this is already off to a bad start." And then he starts talking, <laughs> and it got worse. And it just it it certainly didn't get better, Nate. Let me tell you that <laughs> he had a lot of a lot of things to say about the. This was exclusively regarding the uh, whole Astro scandal, as pretty much everything in the baseball world has been about recently. Yeah. Uh, but like you said, that's what the people want to hear about. Yeah, and by the way, by the way, if you're an Astros fan, just turn it off right now because we Honestly, have, we have nothing yeah. good to say about the Astros. Yeah. And if you're a Rob Manfred fan, which I don't know why there would be one of those, if you're one yeah. of those, you might as well tune out as well because uh, we're not here for Rob Manfred. In fact, we're trying to get Rob Manfred out of the game. I really tried. I tried within these last couple of years. To get on board with this guy, I really did. I'm officially off. I get what did it. Board. What did it for you though? It couldn't have been this. You've been off board. You've been off board for a long time. Um, I mean, you but you you were one of the first people that wanted the baseball needs a new commissioner shirt. So yeah, I think the tipping point for me was probably. I think it was just the overall proposal of things that are happening now. So we're seeing things going to effect, like the the three batter three limit. Three batter minimum. Yep. 
um, or three batter minimum with pitchers. Um, what was the other one? But I mean, there was a lot of it was like a like a long list of crap that he tried. He also went into this and a weird... couple things got approved. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was this long laundry list of just terrible ideas and he's like, Well, they're gonna they can't they can't reject all of them. Yeah. But he went into this weird push where he wanted to take the game from like three hours and three minutes to like two hours and fifty eight minutes. Just went into this weird obsession with trying to shorten the game by like four minutes and like eleven seconds. It was weird. Anyway, uh, I honestly can't even think of what did it for me or what point I turned on him, but it wasn't really much of a turn for me because I was never really for this guy because he just didn't give us any reason to really yeah. appreciate what he was doing or what he was trying to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was, like I said, all sorts of just junk throughout this entire interview. One of the, one of the things that apparently is still catching, uh, catching flack to like this this day this very minute is his comment uh about the world series trophy calling it a piece of metal like guys are ripping into him mm. yeah ripping into him and that's not good it's not what you that's not what you want to say that is a thing though like i said these guys are ripping into him but i actually tweeted out the other day although this whole scandal thing has created or, or rather, it's it's given the game uh, a temporary black eye. The w- one of the things that I I do appreciate about this whole situation is that it's really drawing out the personalities of these guys that we for yeah. so long have wanted to see. Yeah. But yeah. because the game, shout out Rob Manfred, has failed to market these players successfully, we've never been able to see it or see yeah. the personalities. Yeah. I think that's that's such an excellent point. I think um, there's a reason why we see we're seeing other leagues surpass the MLB. Um, as I mean, it's it's represented in viewership for sure. But I mean, I remember I remember when I was a kid. I don't know why this always stuck with me. I remember when I was a kid. I mean, I, we grew up watching so many players, but I remember like Miguel Tejada always stuck with me of watching him and I and I would watch him and I never heard his voice. I never knew what he sounded like. And then when I was like towards the end of his career, I finally heard an interview of him talking and I was like, it's not what I would have expected. Same thing with like Robbins and Cano, like guys that you just, I don't uh, It was something about the fact that I've been watching this player for so long and I have no idea what his voice sounds like. That's just a very small example as to how bad the MLB is marketing it, marketing their players. There's a reason the NFL is is just destroying the MLB in viewership. Um, it's not like that commissioner is doing anything that's great either. But we'll, I, I actually have a comparison to that later. But I think well, I saw this video on Twitter is the Family Guy clip where it shows Peter like circling this back alley with like a cat, and it was like. Rob Manfred and Roger Goodell, like <laughs> trying to figure out who's the worst commissioner. I mean, that kind of stuff just goes yeah. to show you how bad this guy is. Yeah, it's just it's not good. I think we've said it multiple times. He's he's doing whatever he can to put his stamp on the game. I think um, I think Bud Selig was one where there were a lot of people that didn't like him. But the overall consensus was is that he did okay. You know what I mean? Uh, I I don't see that at all. I don't know how this guy's going to save it. In fact, I think the whole Red Sox investigation being pushed back, that's because of how hot his water is right now. He is standing in hot water, and the game is pissed. All right, guys, this is episode 118, To Mike or Not To Mike, from March 9th. Uh, For this one, we're going to be talking about players getting mic'd up in spring training. This was in response to Freddie Freeman's There's Wind, Boys, Mic'd Up moment, if you guys remember that. Uh, I think that was early March, uh, just a few days prior to this this recording. Uh, And we talk a little bit about whether players being mic'd up should be a regular thing. Can we talk Hmm. about 
players being mic'd up. Are we for it? Are we against it? Are we indifferent towards it? What do we I think? think it would I think it would be very much hypocritical if either of us said we're against it. We talk about how MLB needs to do a better job of marketing their players. This is perfect. This yeah, is exactly but does it make us do a, does it make us a hypocrite if we say that we're against it? I mean, does is is that the only way to market these guys? I'm just Not playing a little, little devil's advocate here. I know you are. I I don't think that's the only way, but it is a good way. I think it's I think it's a cool opportunity. Perfect time. Spring training's fun. Spring training is very much of uh, about you know getting kids to the ballpark, hanging out in the sun, sitting in the grass. Like it's it's cool because it's just kind of no BS, just no flash. It's just baseball, and I think that's what's cool about that you know them doing it because we've seen it in the past during like All Star games and stuff like that, um, which is awesome. I'm for it. I really am. I think it's a, a cool opportunity to get to hear your guy talk when it's not about answering, you know, media questions in front of their locker. Wait, just so we're on the same page, are you saying you're for it during the regular season? Because that's kind of the the topic that's up for debate yeah. right now. Yeah, I'm for it. Really? Yeah. I mean, I think um, I would say anything in the first five innings is cool. Anything later than that, uh, I don't think so. See, that's interesting. I, I really don't know how to respond. I, I, I was you a little surprised. I was fully prepared to get on here and just not not bash the idea if Mike and players up during the regular season, but provide our reasons as to why we'd be against it. But I think it's I'm, one of I'm those. I'm a little things, shocked. You and I have talked about this a lot. We've talked about how, like, what are ways to make this game more attractive? And yes, we. I mean, we know that. You and I are obviously in love with this game, and it's always going to be that way. And we're with a very large amount of people that enjoy the purity of baseball. But when you're talking about attendance going going down, when you're talking about blackout restrictions, when you're talking about jersey sales, you're talking about all these numbers tanking, you know, and, you know, regressing each year, something needs to change. So how do we do that without changing the game? This is an example we're not changing the you know the distance between the mound and the plate. We're not changing the balls. We're not changing the size of, you know the size of the field. We're not changing the height of the fences. None of that stuff's changing, but it is something to shed a little more light on the players and to give a little more love around. You know, it gives a player a chance to express their personality a little bit without having to tweet, without having to answer questions from their locker that you know after a game. So this is something that it's raw and I'm cool with it. And I mean, obviously during spring training, it's probably going to be a little more relaxed, but if it's during the regular season, it's during the regular season. If it's only during, you know, one time, uh, what a first baseman's, you know, in the half inning that he's out there and you get an opportunity to get a guy that gets on first base, you take a lead and there's a little bit of banter back and forth or you hear the first base coach talking, whatever it is, I think that's a cool opportunity. I just watched a video a couple minutes ago before we hopped on uh, where they had the third base coach mic'd up for the Dodgers. I thought that was cool. A guy got yeah. first and he's talking about his thought process of, all right, we got to get this guy moving here. So he throws on the steal sign. No, it wasn't a steal sign. It was a wild pitch, pitch in the dirt. I think it was Lux actually that took off. Yeah. Goes to second base, catcher airmails it, comes to third. And he's talking through this the whole time in the middle of this play. Hey, we're staying right here. Pick up the ball, pick up the ball. And you're getting to hear um, lingo and you're getting to hear, you know, actual explanation behind things. I think it's, I think it's just, I think it's exactly the same as when we get Tony Romo calling games for CBS. He's shedding light on things that not average fans get to hear or get to see. And so I think it is cool. I think that needs to be more with the commentary. Stop getting people in there that don't know what they're talking about. You know, I think that's something that can help with this game. So I'm all for it. Um, regular season, spring training. That's cool. Obviously not postseason. I'm not about that. That's kind of it's kind of really, you know, a little too invasive and not to mention. But you're, but you're that's just, that's the thing. Why is that? In, why do you say that that's invasive? 
Uh, it's just a different beast. You know that. Postseason's a different beast. Playoffs postseason for any sport is just it's a different mentality. I mean, it's LeBron goes off, goes dark, you know, turns off all social media when he goes to the postseason. So you're just, you're in a mode. I think the length of the MLB season allows a couple minutes here and there to shed some light on our players. All right, next up, we got episode 119. Thanks, coronavirus, from March 17th. Uh, we talk about the possible start date for the 2020 season, joking ironically about when it should or shouldn't start, not realizing what was going to end up happening this year. No, please don't make opening day May 23rd. Dude. Like, is this some sick joke? Because we've always been talking about how baseball should not open in March, but like, it also shouldn't open like the 4th of July either. Like, can we just find a happy medium? Uh, I saw something that it was like, if the season stays full and like we keep a full season, I don't know how that's possible starting that late. Uh, that means the world series would be around Christmas time. Stop. No, stop. <laughs> how weird would that be? I've seen so many proposals though about like, removing the all-star week which why start with the all-star week like you got to figure something else out like take take out interleague play or something don't i need to take out all-star week yeah we're definitely going to see a shortened season there's no way we're getting 162 in doesn't matter what you're going to do doesn't matter what you eliminate you're not getting 162 in it's not going to happen i mean how many do we realistically think we're getting in a mm, hundred like, I just don't know what that, like, what does that look like? Isn't that wild? Have we seen something like that in our lifetime? Aside from the, well, I mean, we were like, uh, what was the strike season? Yeah, which was 94. 94. Actually, this was a little nugget I had for you. you do we want to dive into some info on the last shortened season that Major League Baseball had? Give me all the nuggets. Tell you, tell you what, what life was like back in 94. Spill the beans. So as we alluded to, for those who either don't care to remember or are too young to remember, 1994 was the last uh, shortened season. It was a it was due to a strike. There was no World Series champion. Actually, there's no postseason. Ended August 11th. Let's so play. Weird. Let's play a little guessing game, Nate. How much do you think a stamp cost? which I'm going to go ahead and guess that you probably don't know how much a, a stamp costs now. <laughs> so you're really going to have no frame of reference here, but let's just play just for kicks. Can you, can you help me with the price of what it is now? Can I look it up real quick? Sure. I'll look it up. Price. Stand by. Mm, right now we're at 55 cents. 1994, I'm going to go with $0.07. Cents. $0.29. Cents. Wow, I really overdid that. I'm going to go ahead and say that probably 0.3% of the people that listen to this podcast use a stamp. So the stamp was – I put that first because I knew there was – a majority of people that probably, in fact, they probably don't even know what a stamp is. Uh, <laughs> average cost of gas, gallon of gas. What do we think? In 94? 94. Uh, we'll say $1.15. $1.09. Oh, okay. Not bad, not bad. How about an average cost of a gallon of milk? Gallon of milk's tricky because you can, I've seen... Milk for like under three dollars now. I've also seen milk up to like four fifty. Let's go with a dollar twenty-five. Two eighty-eight. Wow. Milk was on the rise in ninety-four. Apparently. apparently. How about a movie ticket in ninety-four? Mm, Six dollars. Four eighteen. Ugh. Man, good old days. I mean, you're you. you I'll, I'll give you credit. You're a lot closer than I would have anticipated. How about? It, it was like twelve bucks now. It's 
gotta be closer like 15 16 it's ridiculous the seats have gotten way better though to be fair next we've got episode 128 preparing for a year without baseball from may 29th for this one we're looking at the heated negotiations between the mlb and mlbpa and the drama surrounding the topic of sliding salary scales talking about the battle between owners and players I've been hearing a lot recently, and I'd have to agree, that not just with this situation, but really the whole negotiation process in general, that too much of this has been made public. Like, certainly reveal kind of the overarching takeaway from a given meeting or something like that, just to kind of keep the public informed, let the baseball fans know kind of what the the trajectory of the season is going to be, if there's going to be one at all. Mm-hmm. but we got to get away from like leaking these deeds. And I get it. There's nothing going on right now. Media needs engagement. They need their clicks. So they're going to do yeah. what they can do to kind of ruffle up some feathers, but there's been too much of this, too many, too many feelings that have been made known to the public where it's like, people should be able to like in these meetings, I feel like they, they deserve at least the right to, express their thoughts on something without that being made known to the public in, in such a negative way that it almost acts as like a defamation type mm-hmm. deal where it's like, if you're, for example, if, if, if you're like a, I mean, it's not the greatest example cause he, he tweeted it out himself and I'm saying like, if Max Scherzer, what he tweeted out the other day, if that would have been something that would have been said behind closed doors, but somebody would have leaked that to the public. It's like, if if you were totally against the uh, or like if you're a big Max Scherzer fan or you're a big proponent of the players in this whole thing, but then that gets leaked out and then you're like whoa 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 like I don't necessarily agree with this and then you flip to the side of the owners. There's just too many, too many chefs in the kitchen in the in this situation. Yeah. I just feel like there's there's too many details of what's being said being released to the public and it's it, it's leading everybody to formulate their own kind of hot take if you will on the situation which i mean we're obviously contributing to but it's because we have the information but i feel like there's got to be a way to button that up a little cleaner is there a proposal that you have in mind like in a something that would work for you i mean as a advocate of the players in this situation and again like i don't want to get i don't want to get into the the politics if you will of this whole situation because if you if you haven't realized uh, kind of my own personal stance on this, like based on the posts that I've put out and kind of the things I maybe have tweeted out, uh, which I will say, I'll say right now, those are not reflective of necessarily your thoughts, Nate. Those are, I'll, I'll take full credit of, of that. Like I would like to think that you maybe agree with me on, on which side of the aisle we're on in terms of players versus owners. Cause I think you've said before, we're always, always team players, but I think in terms of a proposal, like you said, this this season can't be about money. So it's like, we, I just feel like there needs to be some sort of agreement that acknowledges, okay, yes, there's going to be salaries that are prorated. Yes, there's going to be losses on the side of the owners. But that's pretty much as good as it's going to get. Yeah. Because I think the reason we're at such a, we're at such a standoff right now is because each side is trying to minimize their losses, which I get it, but I don't think there's enough realization that there's going to be losses and there's going to be big losses on both sides. So it's like, I feel like in the early stages of the negotiating, there was like enough common ground to where we could have just went with it and ran. But now, now the owners are asking the players to walk back their stance and their agreement. It's like, we can't be doing that if we want baseball. But at this, at this point in the game, it seems as though they they have more important things to deal with, and I'm going to respect that. I'm not going to judge. That's their livelihood. I get it. I think when it comes to these negotiations, I think it's more about those smaller ball clubs. Um, I, I saw some stat, and this could be off, but I think it was like basically every game that's played without fans, the organization is going to lose like 170 grand. Um, which makes sense when you put ticket it in sales, concessions, all that stuff. Yep. Um, think of it this way. 
say the season happens, whatever payment the players get, say the season happens, say we play 80 regular season games, a normal postseason, we get through it, and Mookie Betts hits free agency next year. I don't think the Tampa Bay Rays, I don't think the Oakland A's, I don't think those smaller ball clubs have any shot now, any shot after losing 180 grand per game, any shot to do anything in free agency next year. So in my mind, have the players accept whatever deal they initially agreed on in March, which was, I think, half your salary. Agree on that, play on that, but in my mind, don't let these years or don't let this specific year count against the years in a player's contract. So Mookie Betts can hit free agency next year. It'll, it, I, I don't think it should count. If you're going to have the players cut so much, there needs to be something that, that gives here. Have it count for MLB service time because now we're talking arbitration, we're talking pension, all that stuff accumulates into something and means something more. But why not just let it not count against a full contract year? Next on the docket, we got episode 131. Baseball is back. It was a glimmer of hope in just a brutal year. For this one, we're looking at the announcement stating that the game would be returning in 2020. Specifically, breaking down one of our favorite topics, uh, the fact that the Universal DH was going to be a part of baseball. Granted, even though it was only temporary. I will say that I think there's a number... While there might be some holes filled across the National League, I think a number of these NL teams are in a good spot. I mean, you look at the Braves, Marcelo Zuna. Yeah. Dodgers going with Kike Hernandez. I mean, these a number of these NL teams have the depth to where they don't need to make any drastic moves now that this University yeah, of has been imposed. Yeah, a fourth outfielder kind of thing. Yeah, so many of these teams have such a quality fourth outfielder, maybe even a a utility infielder of sorts that they don't, I don't think it's really going to drastically change anything. Yeah. Which makes me think that this is going to stick around. You think so? I really do. I think national league fans are going to be like, you know what? This isn't that bad. I kind of like it. Yeah. Um, for me, I, I don't remember whose idea it was, but the whole attaching a DH to one player. So attaching a DH to your starter, once your starter is pulled, oh, DH that is was, gone. Uh, who was that? Was that Michaelis? I was going to say, I thought it was Miles, but I'm not entirely sure. Either way, yeah. One DH, attach it to your starter, whoever you want, but more often than not, it's going to be your starter. Once the starter is pulled, DH is gone. Then it gets back to the NL style. I don't hate that idea. I think that's quite a compromise, in my opinion, because like at the it. end of games, you're going to see a little bit of chess, being able to figure out you know, what you're going to do pinch hitting-wise, when you're going to pull your guy you know, from the bullpen, stuff like that. So I, I think that's a decent compromise, but... I do see the argument as far as the actual strategy being taken away from the game on the NL side if they go full on DH here moving forward. I don't buy it. I've never you don't bought buy it. I've never bought Well, no, I take it back. <laughs> I mean, there's double switches. There's definitely strategy. I involved. take that back. I have been kind of a fan, like, way back. I was a fan of the uniqueness i guess mm -hmm. of kind of having a different setup in each league but then i came to my senses and i was like why do we have different rules for different yeah. leagues that are playing the same game it, it didn't yeah. make any sense to me and then i'm like well i gotta pick a side and i'm gonna go with the side that features somebody that can actually hit the baseball <laughs> and especially in today's game you can spare me the whole strategy of like well the bunts and the hit and run. When, please tell me the last time you have consistently yeah, seen that done. 
that Those are that dead. aspect of the game is dead. So yeah, I mean, there's now reports saying that you have a better chance of your man on first scoring with no outs versus your man scoring on second with one out. That is like known fact. That's why the sacrifice bun is pretty much dead. Obviously, you're going to have your, you know, unique situations where you have first and second, no outs, and you're down one late innings kind of thing. That's one thing. But bunting's dead. You're right. Hit and runs are pretty much dead, especially with shifts. And for the lack of ability with a lot of hitters to just poke the ball somewhere. Like I, I think somebody commented on the on the post I put up recently, basically citing like Michael Lorenzen of the Reds, being like, "Oh, what about this situation?" I was like, "Yeah, that's where the conversation ends." Like, okay, you've got a Madison Bumgarner, you've got literally the one instance that everybody references, which again I don't understand the obsession. Bartolo Colon. Other than that. Again, like I've said it 99 times, I'll say it 100. If the hashtag pitchers who rake happened as much as National League fans claims it did. Wouldn't be a thing. They wouldn't need a hashtag for it. It's that simple. I I, I don't understand yeah. why the conversation doesn't just doesn't end there. The argument wouldn't be there so, if, you, if they could really hit. So I'm glad. Honestly, I kind of like the way that this is transpiring. I like that this is kind of being eased into the game and that they're not just slapping it on a full 162 game season. So hopefully because this season is already whack, I'm hoping what happens is they, they transition the league transitions into this universal DH, which by mm-hmm. the way, I mean, should we, should we go ahead and take credit for that idea? I mean, we've been campaigning for the universal DH for a while. I think it's fair. I mean, we will go ahead and stamp that as ours. Like I said, I'm glad that they're transitioning into this in like a, a a very strange season. So hopefully they get fans get a little bit of a dose of it, and then they'll realize, oh, it's not as bad as we thought. And then yeah. once once hopefully the season gets back to full length, which that's another topic. Who knows what this season does to the future of baseball? Yeah. Season lengths. Hopefully the universal DH stays for good. Yeah. I mean, if you look at NL teams, you maybe, maybe have one of your five starters pretty much known in your bullpen that can't hit, right? Like your one starter that, okay, like he'll run into one every once in a while. He may pick himself up every once in a while. But for the most part, how many outs are you giving up throughout a season? You know what I mean? Pinch hitting is extremely difficult in my opinion one of the hardest things to do in the game you're cold for seven innings maybe you got some tea work in the tunnels but go ahead and hop up and you know try to hit 98 good luck it's very difficult how many outs are you losing throughout a season dh it's a professional hitter this is what he gets paid to do episode 136 Opening weekend recap from July 27th. For this one, we're sharing our thoughts on the initial weekend of the 2020 season and some of the news that came from it, including the Miami Marlins COVID outbreak, as well as the outlook for the remainder of the season. Nate, I told you. I told you. No, dude, don't do that. Don't do that already. It's... We've... We were prepared for this. Cancel the season. We were prepared for this. Look, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer, as you've called me many times <laughs> prior to this recording, but just cancel the season. It's it's not worth it. It really isn't. On the understanding of player safety, yes, I agree. But on the other hand, did we as fans really expect everyone to be negative on their tests the, the entire year? Like that that was never the expectation. No, but I think there was a fair expectation across the collective community of baseball fans that this was going to be a struggle. Like, yeah, having to navigate positive tests, having to navigate a potential outbreak, which we now have. It's just, I mean, I've got games being postponed. Just cancel the season. I'm not ready. I mean, to get we'll, there yet. we'll get into it. We'll get into it a little later. But no team started three and zero. So, I mean. 
Yeah. No. I mean, if I, I mean, if a team like if the Dodgers started off three and zero, and it's and well, they their run differential, this. they have a run differential of like plus fifty. It's like okay, well, maybe not cancel it because, but it's like everybody's kind of in the same boat. Let me ask you this: If you knew who was even throwing baseballs for the Red Sox for the next three days, if you knew who they were, if you guys destroyed and swept the Orioles would you have the same opinion you have right now and anyone has to, I feel like any person has to ask themselves that question right now if you can have a quick assessment as the way your team started whichever team is your team um would you be as quick to say yeah let's scratch the season okay that's a I mean that's fair but what I'll say is, and you can back me up on this. I was saying this before the season even started. So you the were. whole like like the fact that the Red Sox started off one and two, they might as well have started zero and fifty. Doesn't change. I understand that. It doesn't change my thoughts on it. And I, jokes aside, I can put that aside. I can put the whole Red Sox situation aside and yeah. look at the season and be like, it's just not worth it. Like you've got. Like they're talking about teams having, or I think it was like the Marlins having a bus to Baltimore now or something. And I mean, you've got to incorporate the taxi squad. Yeah. And we're what, three games, three, four games into the season? Come on. We knew this was going to happen. This is why there's 30 players just chilling, just waiting, just in case. Um, I'm not saying it's ideal. I'm not saying this is fun, but I'm not going to say MLB didn't prepare for this. You know what I mean? What I will say is that it, I didn't think about, I hope they did, but the scenario we found ourselves in now, which was they played the Phillies, so now the Phillies can't play, and whatever team they're playing, right now it's supposed to be the Yankees, now they can't play. So it is interesting to to see the kind of ripple effect of what it does across other teams. Um, but I mean, this is, this is something we would have prepared for and that there's 30 players chilling. Yes. It's not going to be the same talent level. Of course not. But you know, if, if there's guidelines that they're set into place for safety protocols, let's follow those guidelines. If it continues to get worse, if we see the same type of outbreak a week later with a different club then maybe yeah maybe it's time to have that conversation but i feel like we should just trust the process right now trust that there's a taxi squad trust that this one or two games that we're missing hey, right now will be really, played do you really want to watch a taxi squad of worth the 55 games with Bobby i don't it's Buck not gonna be the whole on the season mound. it's not gonna be the whole season they need two negative tests with a 24-hour gap in between tests that's all they need. No, I'm not saying for a specific team. I'm just saying across the league because there's going to be, like you said, there's a ripple effect. So I'm, it's pretty much all but certain, in my opinion, that we're going to have to deal with the Marlins issue. And then it's probably going to pop up maybe a time or two around the league within the coming weeks. Yeah. And then again in a couple weeks after that, because that's just how this whole ripple effect thing works. So across the league, you're, I mean, like I said, not you're not going to have to deal with a taxi squad per se for one team across the entire season. Yeah. But you're going to be dealing with taxi squads, players of that caliber for each team across the, the length of the season. And I just don't think people want to watch that. Understood. But let's be fair. I want baseball more than anybody. Believe me. Let's be fair is that these players on the taxi squad aren't high school kids or college kids. These are guys that are at the double A AA or triple A level that are maybe a half a season in a normal situation away from being in the big leagues. But do you we don't watch know their them? name on the back. Honestly. For the sake of, if again, I'm 100% player side. I will always be player side. If it comes to the point where they are no longer feeling safe and they decide they're done, I have to support that. One of my favorites, episode 137. Thank you, Joe Kelly from July 30th. In this one, we're looking at the Joe Kelly, Carlos Correa incident, the one you all know and love very well. Talking about what went down, our responses to it, and 
really how it affected baseball on a larger scale. I think the most important thing about this whole thing and a reason why I am now a Joe Kelly fan. Because we're talking about it again. The Astros got off easy this year. No fans screaming at you. Every visiting game. Every single away game you would have had. You would have had fans screaming at you. That affects players. I don't care what they say. If you're constantly getting called a cheater and getting booed at. It would affect you. So they're getting off easy with that. And the delay of what we had of four months off. Since the last time we saw them, they got off easy. Now it's back in the conversation. Now, more fans than ever are remembering, oh yeah, the Astros did that. Joe Kelly brought all this back to light. That's why I'm a fan. If he didn't hit him, if he hit him, if it was a slider, if it was a fastball, if he got suspended, none of that matters to me. It's the fact that we're talking about this again. Reminding everyone, hey. The Astros freaking suck. And let's just take a, a, a quick second to acknowledge the people that are saying, well, he wasn't even on the Dodgers in 2017. Does it matter? No, it doesn't. Does it matter? It doesn't. If you're a neutral baseball fan in this situation, but you are against what the Astros did, would you not exactly. be up in arms in this situation? 100%. It doesn't matter. And I think it speaks more uh, even more to the fact that he's a good teammate you know what i mean i he's think a good that, teammate that gets it he yeah. understands it he's not he's not turning a blind eye to this he understands what happened oh yeah and the role that he could play and did play in the way that this panned out i can guarantee that there are some gifts being sent joe Kelly's way from teammates on the dodgers right now whether it's a new watch a steak dinner something he is getting some love from his teammates. oh we've we've already gotten gotten some big league confirmation we we won't yeah. go any further than that but yeah. we've 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 been informed that yeah they, that, that he Joe stepped Kelly's up for him. the guy he did it for him um so i'm 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 a-okay with it and the only thing that needs to change is the suspension um i'm not sure is is dave already I don't know if he's appealing. Is there a point to appeal? Dave already, he's, uh, he, he sat out yesterday. Uh, Wednesday's last night's game. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. So that's fine. So that's done. That's over with. Um, and I love the fact that they, the next day went 13 innings and the Dodgers got the victory there. That was impressive. Um, I was watching that a little bit on MLB network. Um, so I mean, I just, the whole situation, the Dodgers went in there. And basically pissed on their on their turf. I'm cool with it. There's still a couple other points that that we need to we need to address. There are people that saying, "Oh well, he was just walking to the dugout. He didn't want the smoke." Excuse me have Have we already forgotten about 2018? Joe Kelly's not af- not afraid of brawls. That's that's fair. And something else something else that I thought about today. I was sitting there. I'm like. You know how many brawls has Carlos Correa been in? We're all t- we're talking about how how high and mighty this guy is and how he'd give him the hands. How many brawls has Carlos Correa been in? Correa runs his mouth. He's always run his mouth. Exactly. I was saying That's this all he runs for the last two years on this podcast. I've been talking about how much I dislike Correa because of his antics. And we've we and what's interesting, not to cut you off, but what's interesting is when you were when you were going off on those rants. It was way before how there was. There was it was way before any of this stuff came out. People were coming at your neck. Yeah, but now now it's okay to be an Astro hater. I was an Astro hater before I found out that they cheated. I can't stand them. Those antics have never changed. That's the problem, and that's why players, other players, haven't forgiven them because there's no remorse amongst the Astros players, and it's obvious there's no remorse. They didn't get fined. They didn't get suspended, and they kept their ring. Yeah, Joe Kelly gets suspended eight games. That's, count them, eight games more than any single Astro got suspended for what they did in 2017. It's a joke, dude. It's an absolute joke. joke. And the other thing that gets me too is 
people are saying, well, he, was, he just walked to the dugout. He didn't want to have anything to do with anybody on the Astros. It's the end of the inning. Where do you want him to go? Yeah, it was the end of the inning. Um, Correa's thrown his crap on the ground, being all soft. He just embarrassed Correa and yeah, that's his entire family and his ancestors, I'm sure, as well. Yeah, that's well, was What more is there for him to do? Not to mention brawls are not allowed during this COVID shortened season. Uh, apparently the, I mean, the benches being cleared wasn't even allowed. So what, what do you, what, what do you want him to just walk to the, to the plate and get in Correa's face in between inning? I, I don't understand what fans are looking for here. Um, Joe Kelly would have given him the hands. Carlos Correa fractured his rib getting a massage. Okay. Let's not yeah. act like Carlos Correa <laughs> is this UFC MMA guy that he so somehow claims to be it, yeah. it no episode 138 Joanna Cespedes the disappearing act from August 3rd guys this was what I mean we, we didn't see this one coming we for this one this was just wild we're talking about you you know exactly what I'm talking about when Joanna Cespedes just basically was like you know deuces I'm out of here dipped out of the team hotel nobody knew what happened to him this one was a fun one for Manfred to say it's on the players, sure. But there needs to be mandated things. There needs to be someone. There's got to be repercussions in some way. Well, apparently now they've tightened down on the rule of like leaving the hotels to where I think it was like strongly discouraged. Now they're not allowed. Yeah. So, and I guess you and Cespedes took exception to that and decided, you know what? I'm just going to leave the hotel. I'm yeah, gonna that was weird. The team, I'm going to leave baseball. What, what, Tell no what one. What was that? I. It sounds so strange, but this year, in my opinion, was like perfect for Cespedes. It was set up for him. Agreed. Short season, stay healthy, jog down to first when you ground out. That's cool. We're not going to sweat it. You can DH the whole year, hit bombs, or walk to first base. We don't care. It's like his comeback story. Yeah, like a rule was implemented basically for him. Universal DH. That's like prime for you. Yeah. Now to walk away, which if it is for safety concerns, fine. But if it was that in the first place, you wouldn't. You you would have opted out a while ago. And if it was for safety concerns, he wouldn't have been seen at the mall. Was that what was that like the next day? Yeah. So you know what, dude, you're just being selfish and kind of over you in general i'm over your story i'm over the the nonsense he hasn't been worth the money that the mets have paid him at all i mean i feel like we were kind of rooting for him i mean the first uh i'm done what was like the first get well no i'm saying before this happened yeah i was the first first knock as a nldh which was pretty cool yeah first home run as a as an nldh but i'm done that's it you had your shot you've had multiple shots you're rolling your ankle on the farm or whatever a few years ago. Stop. Just stop. You like you're not you're not being responsible. You got your check, and that's at this point kind of obvious that's all you cared about. Just like a what a wild Sunday, though. Like the Mets putting out the statement they don't know where he is, but then Yeah. Waking they, up then to that. They follow so strange. <laughs> they follow up with like uh, we have been a- we have been unable to make contact with him. But then minutes later, like he's safe though. He's it's safe. Like, is he? Can't find him. We we can't can't contact him. Nobody yeah. knows where he is. But he's he's good. Don't worry. Apparently, it was the it was the the agent was the one that told the the team. Some team officials or representatives or whatever staff went to his hotel rooms, cleaned out. Everything's gone. He's gone. And it's like, bro, it's just, you're, you're so unprofessional. You're so unprofessional. I'd be super salty if I was the Mets GM. That's just such a Mets thing to happen, though. Oh, big time. Big like, time. Such yeah. a Mets update to wake up to. We can't find one of our players. <laughs> He's safe. We have no idea where he is, though. Ten minutes later. Yeah, he's gone. He's done. That's it. 
Yeah, Bro, this is all within what, like an hour? Yeah, <laughs> like- just be done. Just be done. We're over you. Take care. The whole bright highlighter construction yellow. Just it's all gone. All the neon crap. Your 18 chains that you wear. Your every kind of guard that you can put on. Hand guard, elbow guard, ankle guard. Chin flap. You're gone. You're done. It's it. I'm done. Hey, hey, I want you- no more shots. Hey, can I get your thoughts on Jonas Cespedes? Bye. Episode 140, Houston Astros, Poverty Franchise, August 11th. In this one, we're looking at another little scuffle. The Ramon Laureano, Houston Astros, Alex Centrone scuffle. And in this one, Nate gives one of his signature rants on why Alex Centrone is soft. Nate, jump into it. Okay. For anyone that hasn't seen it, which I don't know why, I mean, I... I'm going to call this a 2020 brawl. You know what I mean? Cause just like we're, we're just, we're on eggshells in 2020. This isn't even supposed to happen. Like your benches aren't even supposed to clear this year, much less physical contact being made between two teams. I'm I'm calling this a 2020 brawl. If it happens any other year, we're going to look at this brawl and be like, eh, nothing exciting. Loriano gets hit for the third time in the series, second time in the same game, by, I believe, an off-speed pitch. I think it was a slider. Hit him up kind of high. Gets a little salty. And yes, I, I can recognize that that probably wasn't on purpose. We said the same thing with Joe Kelly throwing that slider at Correa. Not on purpose. So, he's taking his gear off. He's dropping his bat. He looks at the pitcher and he holds up. What looks like to be a slider grip, and he's showing him, you know, you just want to, you just want to give a little wrist action here, and you just want to snap it off to get that slider to actually do its job. So he's mocking the pitcher. I don't know who's pitching. It doesn't matter. Astros suck. And he's walking to first. You know, it's catcher. Castellanos, by the way. Yeah, whatever. Catcher like walks by. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's enough. So he gets the first hitting coach of the Astros. Hitting coach, I don't know what he's doing in this conversation or why he's even a part of this conversation. Alex Centrone. Yeah, that name doesn't matter because he's definitely losing his job after this year. Altuve's hitting like a buck forty. He starts chirping, which Bro, I will Ho- add. Bro, how- Jose Altuve kind of sucks. Yeah, trash. They're all trash. Hitting coach doesn't have his mask all the way up, I will add. Over there on the Ooh, bench chirping. Great note. I yeah. I need to I need to check this. I didn't even notice that. Watch the video. Mask is not all the way up. We're gonna need you to cover the bridge of your nose, sir. I need nostrils and mouth completely covered. Needs the if he it needs to look kind of like this. But you can't really talk a whole lot of noise, you know, if you got a mask on. So mask starts falling down a little bit. He's chirping. Loriano says apparently. This hitting coach mentioned something about his mama in Spanish. Look at that. Look at that mask. What are we doing? Yeah, that does that's that's not a good look. Soft. It's not it's it's completely off. Not good. Not good. Starts chirping, says something about his mom. Loriano's like, no, 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 no. You're not gonna talk about my mom. Hitting coach waves him over. He's like, let's go. Waves him. This is important. Cause he waves him over. You want some? Let's go. Gives him one of these. Loriano's like, okay, I'll go. Yeah, if you're if you're Loriano, what like what other option is there? I'll go. I'm going. Let's get it. Starts going after him. Hitting coach doesn't move. And four four or five people jump in front of the hitting coach and make like a little blockade. And he's still like chirping behind these people. You're soft, bro. You're soft. Don't wave somebody over and then hide behind people. And then there was some, you know, pushing and shoving after that, blah, blah, blah. Some big notes I took away because I I did do a little research before we hopped on. I know it's surprising. I don't do much research. couple things. Loriano did not know this, was an Astro, was drafted by the Astros, and was traded in a certain important year, 2017, from the Astros to the A's. That's kind of, a, that's a little noteworthy. 
just going to say, it's a little noteworthy. Loriano is probably, you know, one move from not happening to being someone we're talking noise about because he cheated and won a ring. But nope, he got out of there playing for a better franchise for a future division winning franchise, 2020. And shout out A's. Says he doesn't have any beef with the Astros. He doesn't have any beef. He never had any beef. Whatever. I don't buy it. Anytime you're getting traded away from a team, that's a chip. I'm going to throw that on my shoulder. Right? Like, you guys didn't want me. I'm throwing a chip up here. I know there's an extra ounce of effort being put in every time Loriano sees that the Astros are coming to town. You know what I mean? I'm going to play a little better. Yeah. You got those dates circled on the calendar. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna play a little differently. I'm gonna play a little harder. I'm gonna go into it this with with that mentality. Okay. The other thing is the other part that I came across. Loriano is very sensitive about his parents. His parents sent him to the U.S. when he was a kid. I think he was like ten. And basically, just for his dream of playing baseball, to live the dream, to figure out how to get to the big leagues. Parents aren't here. So he's protective of mama. So you can't talk bad about mama in his native tongue when you're speaking Spanish and you're dropping a whole lot of that. Don't talk bad about mama. And then the third note is that the hitting coach said, well, I didn't say anything about his mama. Reporter goes, well, what'd you say? I'm not going to tell you. Soft. You're soft. You wave somebody on. You didn't step up to the fight. And you won't admit what you said. And you weren't wearing your mask. And no mask. So now you're just you're you're just ignoring rules in the pandemic. And I don't like you anymore. I never did like you actually. You're a part of the worst organization in baseball, arguably the worst organization in sports. Just get demoted at this point. I don't even care where you go. You're you're done. Episode 144, the most exciting team in baseball from August 25th. For this one, we're talking about the Slam Diego Padres being one of baseball's hottest and most entertaining teams following their Grand Slam rampage and how they were shaping up for a postseason run. We're giving our thoughts on the then rumors surrounding Mike Clevenger and Zach Plesak possibly also being shipped out to the Padres. Take a listen. Grand Slam after Grand Slam after Grand Slam. Five, to be exact. Uh, I think it was in six games. That's too much, bro. That's that's so many Grand Slams. There have been a lot of Grand Slams this year. Yeah. This year is just weird. I've accepted it. 2020 is just weird. Yeah, and then as we said, just demolish the Astros. Uh, Astros fans, if you're out there or if you're not hiding behind, you know, the Rangers or whatever – uh, it just just be a Rockets fan for the rest of the year. Just stick to that for now because the Astros are done. They just lost Bregman for like three weeks too. They're done. Yeah, they're done. But the Padres, Nate, I don't know, man. 18 and 12, they're only four back in the division. Yeah. This isn't one of those situations where I'm like, well, they're not going to win the, the division, but they can slide it at one of those postseason spots. Yes, that's true. Yeah. But I feel like they got a real shot to win the division. You never know. Uh, no. Still out on that. All right. Good talk. <laughs> Let's move right along here. Second place no. is anything. But yeah, they're not getting the Dodgers out of the way. Sorry. Can't do it. I'm just going to play devil's advocate. Their until starting pitching will not. Until the division lead becomes too far for the Dodgers or to the, for the Padres to ever come. But yeah. for right now, I'm just going to continue to play devil's advocate. It's cool. I'm just letting you know, keeping it real. I'm on the I'm on the hype train. I'm managing expectations. Wow, so so mature of you. Mature. So reasonable, so non hot takey of you. I know, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's look, man, they're exciting, they're fun to watch. They're having fun. They're just having fun. That stuff's cool. I will forever support that. They're just, uh, they just don't have the depth that the Dodgers have. And the Dodgers, I mean, like, their, their lineup is just annoying. Their rotation is, is always going to be an issue for any matchup. Padres aren't quite there yet. They have a lot of talent. They're fun to watch. They're young. 
They're flashy. Was it last episode that you said you thought they had arrived or were you? No, I said they haven't arrived yet. Oh, that's right. Because you said. Which is scary. Because they're going to probably get second place in this division without arriving yet. You're still not here. San Diego fans, be excited because anything you do this year is a bonus because this is ahead of schedule. You're not even here yet. You haven't even shown up yet. Wait till this winter. That's why I said. Which last isn't even time. a knock. That's the scary thing. That's, that's not even a knock on not, the Padres. That's no. like just showing how good they are. It's just showing how good they are. They're not there yet. They're on the brink. They're not going to get there this year, but they'll be here. And they have this winter coming up. They're going to add a couple rotation arms, maybe one more bat, and they're going to be off to the freaking races. That's going to be fun to watch. Uh, Running through a little Padres version of the prop segment a little early here. Just got to show some love to our guys, Jake Cronenworth, who, by the way, hit the fifth grand slam to round out their five and six games. Mm -hmm. He's hitting 347 on the year, Nate. He's got three bombs and 12 ribbies. I mean, for a guy that's been late. I mean, yeah, he's been labeled as like, it's Fernando Tatis and that, that Jake guy. Yeah is what I've been hearing a lot of. And then another guy that I don't think is getting as much love as he should be, Trent Grisham. He's he's got he's already got seven bombs on the year with 14 ribbies, and he had three in one game versus the Astros. Yeah. the Astros suck. Truth. Just keep these names in mind. That's all I'm saying. That's what's crazy. They aren't there yet, and they're still beating people up. You know who I could really see fitting in out there in San Diego? Who? Two people that I could really see fitting out in San Diego. Two? We you got... know the answer to this. I do? We were just talking about him before we hopped on. We were? Yeah. Two guys that recently... Uh... Two Indians pitchers? Yeah, who shall remain nameless. They would They would be a great fit. You're right. They would be an awesome fit. And they I mean, have tell the me farm. San Diego. They have the farm they, to be able to flip that over do. to Cleveland. They, they have, absolutely yeah, do. They have the farm. Those are big league arms, ready to go, ready to step in and be your top three in the rotation and immediately make an impact. I I mean, Plesak's definitely still under control, so that's going to be a, a, a lot to give up to get him. Clevenger's almost done with his, barring whatever weird scenario we're in with these next week and a half or whatever. Until they get another year of control. I, I don't understand that fully. But why not? If if the Indians keep Clevenger down, they add another year. Which is probably what they're going to do. Because this MLB is just shady with that stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. Go get them both. It's a great fit. Long hair, don't care with Clevenger. You know what I'm saying? That's just San Diego written all over it. You heard it here, folks. Slam, slam Diego. First. Slam Diego. I don't even know why. Just what is San? What does that mean? Who is San? San. Or or is it San? San Diego. Is it San Diego? <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I could just I want to drop so many Anchorman references right now, but I won't. Yeah, you heard it here first. That's gonna happen. So when you do, be sure to uh correctly attribute your sources. AKA us. And lastly, for part one of the 2020 look back episode, episode 147, no time to play around from from September 9th. And this one, we're talking Joe West throwing out nationals GM, Mike Rizzo during a regular season game for not wearing his mask while watching the game from up in a suite. Nate, where can Mike Rizzo be himself? Nowhere, dude. If he you gotta leave. He, you gotta if go. If he can't be himself in the upper deck in his suite by himself, <laughs> you gotta go. <laughs> Show West, what are we doing? It was technically his crew. Was it him? I don't think his ears worked that well. The guy's like 120 years old. In terms of calling him out for it, I think it was Joe. Was it Joe that that yeah. tossed him specifically? Which, by the way, go back and look at screenshots of that game. Joe wasn't even wearing his mask correctly during that game. So there's just hypocrisy all over the league right now. I, d- I don't know what's going on. Joe West needs to. So needs, Rizzo's needs to Rizzo, play. if you guys don't know, familiar with the name, GM of the Nationals up 
in you know like the this the club suite section. Nate, oh, whatever. It's we're almost to the next one, and arguing balls and strikes from like two hundred and fifty feet away, which is a wild move, by the way. Like, how do you how do you see that? He's got to have the game on on the TV and inside his little suite, right? Yeah, that's a good point. But either way, soft umpires are soft. I'm always I'm always anti umpires when it comes to this stuff. I'm not on the umpire side. I don't think I'm ever on the umpire side. Because if you have like if there's fans there you, and fans are yelling at you because you suck and you're blowing calls. You gonna toss all of them out too? Well, that you remember that one uh, I mentioned earlier. We did the baseball history segment. We used to remember that one segment where the umpire—I think it was like a high school game—tossed the entire, like all of the bleachers at the game. Oh, you guys got to go. So I mean, it's possible. I'm sure if you go back and look in the rule book, the umpire has the authority to eject the entire stadium. That would be a logistical nightmare. But what did what did Rizzo really do though? Was he just like he's on his little deck of his suite? Does he just walk inside and close the door? Does he have to leave the stadium? Yeah. Did, like, did go, Joe West put the game on pause until Rizzo got his valet ticket so he could drive home? If I, I mean, if I'm Mike Rizzo, I'm just going down to like the little cafeteria, just grabbing a cold coke and and a sandwich and watching it at the cafeteria. I mean, what difference does it make? Umpires are, just, umpires are just using this season with no fans as an excuse to just toss guys because then when people overreact and they're like, why are you tossing this person that's up in the upper deck? They'd be like, well, there's no fans and I can hear everything you're saying and yeah, I'm just going to get rid of them. So Sensitive. Super sensitive. I mean, Quick Joe looks. West is in a world of its own. All right, well, that concludes part one of the 2020 Look Back episode. We hope you guys enjoyed reminiscing a little bit on the first half. Uh, As I'm sure you could gather, we ended this particular episode around the point of early September. So part two next week, we'll cover remainder of the uh, 2020 season, including the postseason and uh, our season wrap up. Uh, We also intentionally left out segments from our interviews with players and media that we had this year uh, because we wanted you guys to get the full experience from those conversations. So uh, if you haven't checked them all out, be sure to uh, check out the interviews we had. I mean, we had interviews with Liam Hendricks, Dallas Braden, Mike Yastrzemski, Johnny Gomes, Jess Kleinschmidt. I mean, we had we had a lot. 2020 was good to us in that regard. Uh, so feel free to browse those. Uh, but in the meantime, guys, that's all I've got for you. From Nate and myself, have a Merry Christmas. And just as a reminder, the MLB jersey winner will be announced uh, on Christmas. So make sure to enter that. You can find info on that on our IG feed and story. And keep your eyes peeled for a word on the winner because we may be gifting you with another Christmas present on Friday. We love you all. And as always, looking forward to talking more baseball with you guys soon. Until next time, stay filthy.